This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And I was scratching my nose when I said that. Oh my god. Yep. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show. Each episode, you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. If you want to help support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. So tiny. Sir. I haven't checked the iTunes reviews in a while. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, Way to just throw that out there. Right. I know. Yeah. It's incentive for people. Like, I will check them, and if people want to post their reviews, I'll be checking them. Hey. That's ridiculous. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> pretty well. Pretty well. Good. Good. Um. So you're about to go to Chicago. Chi-town. Yeah. And do, do, you, do you want me to tell the fantastic joke I said to you earlier today, or do you want to? Uh, you know, it's yours. I'll let you say. Okay. So this weekend it was really, really windy here in Indianapolis. And, uh, I went to the zoo on Saturday with some friends and, uh, Tiny mentioned that he was going to go to Chicago and then Chicago for, you know, those who don't know is referred to as the windy city. So I told Tiny that, uh, technically he was already in Chicago on Saturday because it was really windy in, in, in the city because, uh, it's a windy city. Yeah. And then uh-huh. when he when uh-huh. he didn't hear that, I just said that um <laughs> that they might as well have called it the uh Windy Annapolis Zoo. Hey, that's hilarious. It was really windy. Oh uh, yeah. So today on the podcast <laughs> we are going to cut all of that out and then we're gonna talk about uh sick day movies. Um we'll get to that in a moment, but I wanna bring up a brief piece of I guess you could call it news because it's well, it's not really relevant uh, right now, but um, in our lives, in real life, me and Tiny are re- both rereading the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Say thank you. Yeah, huh? because uh, <laughs> it's about to be adapted into a movie, finally, probably, maybe, we'll see. Um, yeah. And if you haven't been following the uh, casting news and everything, uh, a couple months ago, I think, um, the cast was announced that... Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba would be playing the two leads in, in the movie, uh, The Man in Black and uh, and Roland Deschain. And fantastic casting. I love Matthew McConaughey. He's going to be playing The Man in Black. And um, for those who don't know about The Dark Tower, I, I won't go into a br- big thing, but uh, suffice, to, suffice it to say the opening line of the first book of The Dark Tower is one of Stephen King's most iconic lines. It's it's his favorite line that he's ever written, and yeah. it's it's you know the fan base's favorite. It's uh the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. So anyway, um, this week eleven twenty two sixty three um aired its its season or its its finale because it's a it was a short run event series, um on Hulu, and the Stephen King Facebook page posted a. Uh, posted a a post saying um saying I know that this is a loaded question but what did you guys think of 112263 and so I was reading the comments and the dark tower came up which uh, okay so Roland Deschain is the I would say he he's one of my favorite Stephen King characters he's one oh, of yeah. the he's an iconic character and he, he's probably his best developed character yeah oh yeah yeah and so He's going to be played by Idris Elba, and 
I I want to bring this up now, and I don't know if I brought it up in the past or not, but I want to bring it up now because there are certain times in pop culture, on the internet, in in the real world, in life, where the internet gets angry at things. Yeah, and I, like I'm thinking of, I think uh, I think it was when what the, what's it called? Um, uh, um. The new Harry Potter play that's going to be um, yeah uh, opening or whatever. Um, why can't I think of the name of it? Um, the Cursed Child, I think. Okay. And I think the casting for that, like they casted a, uh, a a black girl for Hermione. Right. And people got super upset about that. And then like when things like that happen, when they cast um, a, a, an actor who's not the same uh, race or ethnicity or anything of. Uh, of the source material people get super touchy about it yeah they do and with the dark tower i i love this series so much and it hurts so much to see the same thing happen with it yep because it's such a ridiculous thing and the reason i bring it up is that on that facebook post um one person commented on it and just like made me just so angry um the comment reads uh, this is after Stephen King's Facebook page asked for thoughts on 112263, the miniseries on Hulu, um, which I will be having a bonus episode devoted to that next week with uh, Brian Davids from Film Schlubs Podcast. So check that out on the feed later this week or next week. Um, but the comment reads, I only read the book, liked it. I know better than to watch the movies. Hell, Dark Tower is effed up before it is even released. I'll never, ever see that. You see, you should be ashamed of yourself for supporting that casting decision. Dear God. Like, uh, it's so infuriating, and I don't mean to get, like, on a soapbox or anything like that, but f*** you. I just, I yeah. can't. And, like, he goes, I'll go on and read one of his other comments, but it's just, it's so annoying to me because it's, I mean, it's so, when I when I heard the casting decision for Idris Elba, and while reading over the books now, like, there are moments where I... Like I'm, I'm not actively like picturing Matthew McConaughey and and Idris Elba or anyone when I when I read it. I'm just reading it. That's one of the reasons why I'm rereading it is I want to keep my original imagination of it, um, I refresh my mind uh, on it before the adaptation kind of puts actors and puts puts locations and puts uh, uh, uh cinematography and and like technical aspects into my brain for it. Yeah, me too. But. I can't help but notice that there are certain lines, certain times when Roland speaks where I'm like, mm, Idris Elba is going to nail that He's gonna crush it, yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, and so it should be something to celebrate that this series who's that's been long gestating, that it, there was questions of if, if it would even be completed written, uh, much less be adapted and everything, for years and years. And we finally get to a point where it's actually like moving forward and actually going to happen February 17th, 2017 right now, um, which is that date is so awesome because it's it 2 2017 and the numbers 19. Anyway. Uh, if you've read the series, you you know the significance of that. Um, yep. But anyway, and then this guy, like, he just went on just a tirade um, throughout it. Like he said, like one of the one of the um, and two, okay, to the co- other commenters' credit, um, like he he was an outlier in in this comment chain. And granted, it had nothing to do with the Dark Tower to begin with, but um, it wasn't like people were were. It's not his opinion isn't a 
majority opinion. It's a very vocal minority opinion within the Stephen King fan base, as far as I can tell. Um, mostly if you're a fan of the freaking books, you're just excited that it's being made. Yeah. But anyway, um, I want to, I want to comment on this one comment that this guy made that, and then we can move on to our sick day viewings. Um, the comment was in response to, uh, your, uh, seriously, like someone responded with seriously, you're complaining about the cast. Give me one good, not racially motivated reason why it's bad. And, uh, the guy responded with, because of all the money and time I've invested, that's why. And I'm sure he couldn't give a shit less. And people's replies to that, um, echo my sentiments because it's like money and time you've invested, like you, like literally right now, you have not invested any time or money in the actual production of this movie or in the <laughs> adaptation of any kind. You haven't paid the money. You've said that you're never going to see it. How is that at all going to affect your enjoyment of the books that you presumably own and spent time reading and, and, uh, uh, spending, spent money on it like that, that shouldn't, it's two mediums. It shouldn't overlap. Like, yeah, it's just, it's so infuriating. So tiny, why do you hate Idris Elba? And <laughs> I don't, I, I'm excited for it. I, you know, I, of course I'm excited for it. Um, but like, He's not my first choice. I, right. I, you know, he's not the first guy I would have chosen to play Roland, but, you know, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see it. Right. You know, that's how, uh, logic works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, he's a really good actor. I've never heard anyone say they don't like Idris Elba. I mean, right. he's, he's just a charismatic actor. Um, he has just a ton of range. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, just wait, just wait till you see what you get. You know, I remember back in what was it, two thousand six or seven, when they announced Heath Ledger as the Joker, right? Which has nothing to do with race whatsoever. Right. Um, had but, this freaking white guy playing the goddamn Joker. I know it's ridiculous. Um, they should have had a guy with actual paint on his face and then exactly. a chemical thing on his face. They but hired whatever. an albino. <laughs> but you know, I was so one of those ridiculous. guys who was like, "Really, Heath Ledger as the Joker? That's stupid. I hate this. It's dumb." Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher Nolan's going to ruin this, this franchise, and it turns out it's it's a absolutely phenomenal performance, right? Yeah, and Oscar winning, every multiple award winning mm-hmm. um, performance, and you know, we all should have just we all should have just withheld judgment. And a lot, of, I wasn't alone in that, you know. Yeah. And afterwards, I felt stupid. I was like, "Well, I guess I, <laughs> guess I need to." You know, just withhold judgment until I see it. Right. And those thoughts of like, oh, Christopher Nolan's going to ruin this. You only had to wait like six or seven years for Interstellar. So anyway. Um, <laughs> I meant the franchise. But I, I know. That had nothing to do with Batman. <laughs> um, but no, anyway. So really, it's just, it's. I just wanted to bring that up because it's ridiculous. The internet sucks. People suck. And it's just infuriating. And on a, on a more positive note, and this will be very brief and then we can move on. Um I was like, I have no idea if the Dark Tower is going to be successful. I don't know if if it's going to even happen. I don't know if, I don't know if and it seems like it's going to happen. That gives me hope and everything. And ideally, I would freaking love it if they adapted the entire series. It became a huge franchise and everything. And I was thinking about that as I was kind of um, collect like I was buying the paperbacks because I'm really insane and i every time i read stephen king i want to increase my physical collection of it so me too yeah like i i had them on ebooks and everything and i was like you know what i have a shelf i can it looks nice when they're all there (laughs) so i was just thinking like i 
I could see myself buying like different editions of the books because I know that they're about to have new paperback editions come out, I think. Um, then I was like, if this is a huge hit, like I went through and I was looking through and I saw like George R. R. Martin's like, like all the tie in stuff for Game of Thrones, all the Monopoly pieces or on the Monopoly set, stuff like that, like, like licensed stuff. And I was like, man, if this is a hit, yeah, I'm going to be broke so much. <laughs> like merchandising is going to be amazing. But yeah, me too. Yeah. But anyway, that's putting, that's putting the cart before the horse. Um, merchandise, but not for you, podcaster. Oh, damn it. That's, that's good. Ah. <laughs> Well done. Thank um, you. Thank you. But yeah, and at some point when we finish, like you suggested, when we finish reading uh, the series and the lead up to The Dark Tower, we should just sit down and just rec- marathon record like our own palaver about the series and about the adaptations and absolutely all that. Um, I'll start preparing notes tomorrow. Me, I've already <laughs> started preparing two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, um, if you want to check out my reviews of the Dark Tower books, you can check out obsessivebooknerd.com. Just type in the Dark Tower, and uh, right now the Gunslinger has been posted, and then I have the drawing of the three written. Um, I really enjoyed your review of that, by the way. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah, did you actually it. read it? I did, yeah. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> well, you say that like I never read your stuff. No, I mean, I, I know you do, because I force you to, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> I read that without you telling me to. Nice. That's true. And I liked it. I mean, it, yeah, nice. it's, it, it reflected a lot of how I feel about it, too. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. You have not forgotten the face of your father. I have not. So anyway, this week we are talking about sick day viewings, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tiny, would you mind if I go ahead and tell the genesis of this uh, idea? Please this do. Episode? Please do. So you would sh- your pants. Um, I'm Got to be more specific. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> that's such a dumb joke <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna keep that in anyway so a i don't know maybe a few weeks ago or a month ago i can't remember um like three weeks ago i basically felt really really sick um it was awful like i just had like a little bit of i don't know if it was the flu or a 24-hour bug or it wasn't even it wasn't even in um traditional symptoms it was just i was just drained and and I mean, I just had pretty much every symptom except for, uh, like the more disgusting ones. I just basically wanted to lay in bed and, uh, sleep forever, um, because I had like a crippling headache and hot and cold flashes, all this stuff. And so I got to thinking, um, after I had to sit and work all day, <laughs> Weak. um, yeah, uh, no, it's, it was fine. Cause, uh, my boss actually gave me the next day off mm. to recuperate. Cause, uh, he felt bad cause he couldn't get anyone to, uh, to cover me that day. So I went home, slept for 15 hours, um, nice. and then woke up and I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany or an idea for a topic, um, sick day viewings. Basically these are movies, shows, any kind of programming on TV or whatever that we watched when we were sick from school, sick from work, um, just feeling under the weather. And um, Tiny, what would you say separates a sick day viewing from a regular viewing? I can break it down to one word. I think it's comfort. Nice, yeah. You know, because I think it's, you know, when you feel sick, it you kind of, you revert, you kind of regress back to a kind of, I don't know, a very simple... uh almost childlike state where you just want somebody to take care of you and don't want to be responsible for anything. And so you want something that's going to comfort you and make you feel better. And it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it can, it can really be anything, you know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a comedy or it doesn't have to, you know, make you smile 
right. or cry or anything. It just has to be something that gives you comfort. And that that can be a crazy horror movie or something, you know? It doesn't really matter what it is. It's right. a it's a very personal specific choice. Well said, yeah. Thank I you. agree completely. And for me, what kind of makes me think about like what I want to watch when I'm feeling under the weather is um I guess it really comes down to a lack of <laughs> a lack of attention or a lack of emotional involvement. That's true. That's um true. Familiar, familiarity, really. When you say comfort, that hits it on the head because it's something that's comforting and something that for me in that department, it's something familiar, something I've seen millions of times before, something I know, know like the back of my hand. Um, um, some, in, in short, it's an experience that I've already gone through. And really what it comes down to is when I watch it when I'm sick, I want to revisit that. So I put my mind off of being sick, basically. Right. Um, and so we've 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 got a few different uh, uh, examples of of our personal sick day viewings, and we encourage anyone listening that if you have certain things that you watch anytime you're feeling under the weather or any experiences that you want to share, uh, you know, email us uh, podcast at uh, obsessiveviewer dot com, uh, Matt Matt at obsessiveviewer dot com, Tiny at obsessiveviewer dot com on Twitter, all that stuff. Um, or on Facebook. And so why don't we get right into it? You've divided your seg- your examples up by segments, right? Uh, yeah, just two segments, yeah. Nice. And uh, do you want to go ahead and speak to that or introduce Sure. Sure, yeah. My, my first segment, if you will, is basically like childhood. Like the stuff, you know, I mean, I think I stayed home sick more when I was a like a child mm-hmm. as opposed to like when I was an adolescent or a teenager. Right. Um, and you know, my tastes changed between those times. And so when I was a really young kid, um, basically we talked about Nickelodeon before. Right. Um, I think we did a Nickelodeon in the nineties episode. We did. Yeah. I'm not um, sure what episode it was, but I don't, I don't recall either. Check the show uh, notes. Check the show notes. Um, we, we all kind of grew up on Nickelodeon and, to, to Matt's points, you know, it, it was familiar and it's something that gave me comfort. And, um, just about anything on that network, uh, was something that I would watch when I stayed homesick as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, um, I really loved the show All That, which I think <laughs> yes. we talked about. Um, I remember just, man, that, sh- it, that show was SNL for kids because I, I remember going to school on Monday and talking about it. Um, cause it aired on like Friday nights, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because kids don't have anything to do on Friday nights. Right. They don't have anywhere to go. But <laughs> I just I remember coming home from school and being excited because all that was going to be on TV that night. Mm. Um, and they would show reruns of it during the day. And uh, that was always, you know, even if we were, if it was summer, if it was summer break or um, spring break, whatever kind of break you had going on, I was like, there's going to be all that reruns on TV today. And so Nickelodeon was a staple of comfort for me when I was a kid. Uh, if I was ever feeling down or sick or anything, I would turn on Nickelodeon. Um, nice. Yeah. And I mean, there's all kinds of other shows on there too. Um, Hey dude. Mm -hmm. Um, even like the real, the like kind of simple, like really young kid stuff, like blues clues and Gullah Gullah Island and stuff like that. I mean, I don't even really remember those shows that well, but when I was, when I was laying at home on the couch, I was like, the mail, the letter's over there, Blue, go get it. 
Good the mail. It was easy, you know. I mean, it was like right. it was just a distraction. Easiest test ever. Exactly. It made you feel good about yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, Nickelodeon specifically, all that. Um, that's man, that that meant a lot to me as a kid. Nice. And that was episode sixty three that we talked about Nickelodeon in the nineties. Okay. And um, just a small anecdote, like that was when I was really anal about the uh, timestamps. It's kind of hilarious. There's oh my God. many, many timestamps. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great example. Um, do you want to go ahead and say the rest of your sure, stuff, well. and then I can go to my first segment? It's a section. good idea. It's a good okay. idea. Okay. Cool. Um, another, just you know, one of those things that taps into your childlike wonder, and I guess makes you feel makes it really it jump starts your imagination is uh disney movies you know mm. i i grew up on disney movies i think most of us did most of right. us millennials or kids from that era grew up with this stuff um and i mean i had we had like most of them all the classics and and we but i kind of latched on to the newer stuff when i was younger my two favorites were Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Um, but I was really young. I was, I loved, uh, I loved, um, The Little Mermaid. Okay. Because, like, for some reason, Ursula, like, scared the shit out of me. Really? And I, I liked, <laughs> I, like, that was my first, almost like my first experience with horror. Wow. Cause she just, like, scared me and I watched it cause she's, cause she was scary. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's weird. I can't explain it. It's That's the, awesome. The, the mind of a child. But, uh, right. but Aladdin, I know, I loved Aladdin because, the genie was like my favorite character ever. Right. Um, Robin Williams, you know, may he rest in peace mm-hmm. was beyond genius when it came to comedy and comedic timing. And he did a couple of the voices in that movie, but mostly with the genie. And, and it's, it was just, it was all improv- improvised for the most part. Wow. Um, he, he just, it's, it's incredible how that character was able to appeal to children. Um, but still, but still have like jokes that adults only adults would get really right. Um, like there's the stuff about like he can't make you fall in love. He can't make one person fall in love with another person, and mm. he can't kill anybody and stuff like that. And some of those jokes were a little bit, you know, a little bit for the mom and dad kind of sure. Um, but the kids still found it funny. Um, and that 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 character and specifically was another staple of my childhood and just made me laugh to no end. And, uh, I really just liked the story of Aladdin. I still think that's a great movie. Nice. I haven't seen it in so probably since I was about that age as a kid. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it since then. And, um, I mean, there are certain iconic scenes and everything, the magic carpet and all that from, um, and of course the, the genie, but I can't remember much about it. Um, Really? Yeah. I need to revisit it. We should do, we should do a 2d, Disney animated movie episode. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Disney retrospective. That would be that would be extensive. It would be, yeah. Um, <laughs> um and then also Beauty and the Beast, which mm-hmm. that's just a great movie. Right. It really is. I mean, it won two Oscars. Um I think that was where that was I think that was one of the first animated movies where they really started using computers, I want to say. Okay. Um I like that. I think I may be wrong, but I want to say it was maybe one of the Oscar nominations it got was for um, effects. Really? Because I think that's, I might be wrong, but um, I, I, I remember like watching a special feature on the VHS <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast about like, 
uh, like a post credits special feature where they talked about the computer rendering, um, specifically the part where the beast and bell are like dancing for the first time mm-hmm. like that. Those scenes are remarkably detailed for an animated movie. Wow. Um, and it had just has this incredible depth to it. Um, and that, that stuff just like jumped off the screen for me when I was a kid. Um, and just the incredible, the music, which I know it won Oscars for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best ever. I just, I mean, the, the whole be our guest scene where the, cups and plates and the candles yes. are dancing around that's just amazing imagination oh, yeah. um it just appeals it appeals to me now as an adult but mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid i just thought it was incredible um <laughs> i that and, and and you know it's kind of a the movie's a little bleak you know it's kind of a bleak story about this beast who shut up in a castle mm-hmm. um had his humanity taken away from him um but in the end it's a love story and right. and everything works out for the best um it's it's you know and it's a funny movie too it's got Mm -hmm. it's got its fair share of laughs um but i just i i always love that movie i haven't seen it in a while but um i i I just think it's an all-around good movie even as an adult like i would i would recommend that movie i think it's it's just a good one that's awesome and it uh it won two oscars for uh, one for best original score and one for original song. Okay. Uh, wasn't nominated for best visual effects at the Oscars. However, it was nominated uh for a BAFTA for best special effects. So okay. Um. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. I think that was. When did it come out? The late eighties, maybe. Ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Yep. That's when computer graphics were really starting to take off. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think you know Disney's. Disney was always all about their. You know, incredible artists, right. hand drawing stuff, and so I can understand why it might have taken them a little bit longer to get into the whole computer thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so my first uh, section, I guess it's not it's not necessarily uh, stuff that I watched as a child or, or what your segment was. Um, I kind of want to talk about a certain type of uh, a certain, I guess, genre or format uh, that I'm attracted to. Uh, when I'm sick, if that makes sense. Um, uh, basically, sitcoms. They're, uh, I mean, it kind of hits all the points of, um, what I look for when, um, when watching something when I'm under the weather. Cause it's kind of something I kind of want to have playing in the background, um, in between trips to the bathroom or, uh, <laughs> hurling in the, in the trash can next to my bed. Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, so so sitcoms are kind of a staple for sick day viewing or under the weather viewings. Um and two that I want to point out are uh first of all is is Wings. That's probably the one that goes back the furthest cuz really the the um inspiration for this episode was that when I was sick, when I had that day off after I was after I discovered I wasn't feeling well, um after sleeping for 15 hours, um, I woke up or actually while I was sleeping, I had, um, Hulu playing on a loop or uh, continuously playing throughout the night on my laptop next to my bed. Um, just playing episodes of Wings, the 1990s, uh, sitcom that, uh, starring, uh, Stephen Weber, Stephen Weber and Tim, Timothy Daly. Um, it was kind of a ripoff of Cheers. We've talked about it before. It, it's, it was a, uh, Basically, cheers in an airport. Yep. Um, and 
God, I loved this show so much. Like it was just a classic sitcom formula and what it, what it really attracted me to it was that uh it's about two brothers that are co-running a business and it's about their their kind of experience and the kind of kooky characters that live in the or not live in the airport but uh take up space in the small Nantucket airport. Like everything about it I just loved. I loved the setting. I kind of it made me kind of begin to um romanticize the uh, uh uh new england area like uh, coastal new england like it takes place on nantucket so there's a lot of like really um like there's a lot of establishing shots of like the outside of the airport and like they would have episodes that kind of tied into the climate of the of uh of new england like uh there was <laughs> there was an episode one of the iconic episodes actually or one of the episodes that stick out in my mind is an episode in which um the childhood home of Brian and Joe Hackett, uh, played by Stephen Weber and Tim Daly, um, is about to be demolished because I think it was something like it, there, it had hurricane, uh, hurricane damage, um, or something like that. Or I think the, the beach was eroding and, and it was about to just be taken into, taken into the beach. I, I don't know. So anyway, it ends up being that they end up basically destroying the house themselves with sledgehammers because, uh, it goes into their whole childhood and everything. Um, it's a nice, um, I, I don't know how to, how really else to communicate it, but it's just something that it gives me a warm feeling like when I watch it and it's all on Hulu. Um, it used to be on Netflix, but they, they got rid of it. Um, back in, I think January, but, um, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it's all on Hulu and I, <laughs> it's, I believe, yeah, I believe it's the only TV show that I have that has the distinction of being the only TV show that I bought, um, the DVD sets season by season on the day that they came out every season. Wow. There's like, I think there's seven seasons and I think there's eight seasons and seven season sets because seasons one and two were packaged together. Um, but yeah, I just remember going, going to Best Buy the day that they came out and buying each season as they were released. Um, for every season. So, I mean, it holds a special place in my heart and it's something that it's, it's comforting to watch because I have all of this nostalgia for it. And to kind of go back to when I was a kid, um, <laughs> it would rerun on, uh, USA every day at like 11 and 1130, um, during the day, during weekdays. So whenever I was, I stayed home from school, I would try to stay awake or, uh, Try to, j- try not to fall asleep until after, like, 11, after Wings came on, cause I would, I would want to watch Wings, cause it was, this is back in the day in the, uh, late 90s when TV on DVD wasn't, was only a, a glimmer in some, in some, uh, some heroic, uh, business executive's eye, I guess, or, or whoever was responsible for thinking, like, oh, we should put TV, TV seasons on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just never had a chance to watch the show. <laughs> Unless it aired or it aired at any point, so those reruns at eleven eleven thirty on USA were kind of, kind of what I what I what I was really the 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 big plus of staying home from school basically, and they had like a whole programming block. I don't know, did yeah. you ever see this? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I <sighs> I I loved Wings as a kid. I got into it more as like, like more in like the junior high years, I think. Uh, and then into my teen years, but it wasn't so much a, uh, sick day viewing, but it was more of like over summer break and spring mm-hmm. break every single day. Me and my brother would watch 
I'm I'm almost positive it was the USA reruns mm-hmm. were from ten to like eleven. I think it was there was a ten a, a ten a.m. and then a ten thirty, and it was, it was two okay. episodes. We would watch that every day because we would right. sleep in until you know nine thirty or, or ten and get get up and watch the first watch the two episodes of Wings. Um, right, that was every single day. Uh, yeah, I love Wings. Yep, and they had a good like programming block during the day on USA. Like I remember. Um, like that show, uh, Just Shoot Me with, uh, I think David Spade was in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would, that would air like before or after an episode of Wings. Um, the TV show Working, the, the short lived TV show Working, it only aired for, uh, two seasons, but it had, uh, I think it was Fred Savage. Yeah, Fred Savage. It was like an office comedy. Um, that would air. Wow. Um, was Spin City in there somewhere? I want to say that Spin City, wasn't or maybe it was been... oh i think it was actually okay um i can't remember when spin city started though neither can i i want to say early to mid 90s yeah it started in 96 so okay. yeah i think it was included in that block okay um uh, but yeah i mean that's just that's something that i just connected with uh fairly easily and it was kind of a go-to thing whenever i would have a sick day mm-hmm and when I, uh, when I sat down to, or when I laid down in bed and slept forever and then woke up and, and saw Wings playing, it just kind of had this nice, like, cause I had it continuously playing on my laptop. And much as my cat, Pizza Roll, wanted to, wanted to walk all over my laptop and end it, uh, there were times where I woke up and saw it playing. And, like, other times where I would have to restart it cause, cause, you know, cats are dicks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so just, I mean, just waking up in a daze of like, of like NyQuil and, uh, um, uh, Mucinex and, and just, you know, just waking up in that, that hazy fog of half, half asleep, uh, three quarters sick and, uh, uh, two thirds cold medicine basically. All right. Uh, and then seeing like this, this nice sitcom from, from my childhood playing on a screen next to me, it was just so comforting. And I mean, I can't say, how much I adore that freaking show. I love it too. Um, yeah. And again, it's on Hulu. It's such a good, such a good show. And it's, it's, I mean, it plays with a lot of sitcom tropes and it doesn't play with them. It, it lives in them. It follows, follows a really strong, um, formula basically. But I mean, just you fall in love with the characters. You fall in love with the setting. You fall in love with the stories and the dynamics. And it's just a, so much fun. And then, uh, to kind of, uh, my, my second example of a sitcom, and, and this kind of harkens more back to my teenage years, um, when I was stay home sick from like high school. And again, this is another show that I made a point to, uh, made a point to buy on DVD, uh, the day that it came out. Um, actually, one of the, one of my, one of the stories that me and, uh, Mike, the co-host of the Obsessive Ear, who is on sabbatical from the podcast and pops up every now and then, um, he and I, when we were roommates at USI, uh, down in Evansville in Indiana, um, he, uh, we went and got, we went and bought season 10 of this show, uh, the night that it came out at midnight. We went to Walmart and bought it. And, uh, it's Friends. Uh, and this is a show that I, I never really, I, I think I, I watched it a lot in syndication. Kind of after school syndication, I think at like seven, seven o'clock block they would have it on like uh fox or something like that um before or after the simpsons or something um it was i like i would see it in syndication then when i started uh cultivating a dvd collection because i was a young kid with uh disposable income of 
lunch money I saved up during the <laughs> during the week. Yeah. Um, I would go and just buy DVD sets, and and I started accumulating the friend the friends dvd sets and like that was the first time i saw it in sequence and like i would watch it just over and over again because it's such a it's an iconic sitcom it's a great sitcom and so whenever i was homesick from school i would just do the same thing um this is at a time when tv on dvd is is you know prevalent and and huge and um i had all the dvd sets if you like in in my apartment right now on top of my dvd case um is all seasons of friends in a box that i had to specially order after the 10th season came out um because they had basically a a rebate offer and it's like it's basically a, a wood case with a black uh cover that has like uh has the six friends on the cover and on the back of the whole case is like the the uh new york skyline and uh i would just watch like i would just watch the dvds so much and it was so freeing to not be um to not be confined to a to a a programming schedule like i could just watch them on dvd every now and then call my mom um if she was home uh i think at that time she worked nights or not nights but second shift so i would call my mom and be like hey mom can you come up and, and change my dvd and all oh that. my god um <clears throat> i was such a baby <laughs> um <laughs> i didn't really do that that often just sometimes <laughs> Um, and it was mostly like, oh yeah, hey, yeah, uh, can you bring me up a Gatorade? I'm really weak and all that. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I'm not going to save myself from that. Wow. <laughs> no, not so much. Um, but yeah, and friends, again, for all the reasons that wings, well, not all the, all the reason, all the reasons, cause friends had nothing to do with an airport, but, um, Friends is another show that is, it's, it's a sitcom, so it follows the sitcom formula and it's, I mean, it has, I don't think there's a single episode that I dislike. Um, I mean, wow. me and Mike did a full-on three-hour-long Friends retrospective episode. I believe that was OV88, so you can go back and listen to that for my thoughts on, on the show, like, season by season. Um, but in, in the context of watching it when I'm, when I'm homesick or when, when I need something comforting, it's just you throw on an episode of Friends and two things in my brain is like two things in my brain are going to happen. One within about 15 seconds, I'll name this name, the episode title and the, in the, in the season that it aired in. Um, and then I'll just, I'll laugh cause I'll, I'll, it's, it's a hilarious show and it's a show that I return to frequently. Um, even today. And I love that we have Netflix and Hulu and all that. Like Netflix has every episode of friends on it. And it's just like, it's so convenient. I don't need to call my mom to come over to my apartment to change the DVD when I'm sick. <laughs> um, I can just, you know, have her come over and, uh, click the remote so that it says, uh, when it, when it says, are you still there? Um, <laughs> have her come over and do that. So really your mom owes a debt of gratitude to Netflix. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those are my two examples of sitcoms that I watch when I, uh, when I'm when I'm sick and feeling under the weather and need to be comforted, um, it's kind of funny as an addendum to that. Uh, How I Met Your Mother was also kind of a staple of that, mm-hmm. and it, it still kind of is. But I mean, that finale was really kind of in that final season really kind of marred the experience a little bit. And I know that Mike is very vocal about how much he kind of can't stand the show at this point anymore, despite loving it up until that finale. But um. I mean, it's, it's kind of tarnished for me, but it's still something that I can pop on and, and watch, um, 
uh, just kind of on in the background, but it's not something that gives me as much comfort as Friends or Wings um, in terms of sitcoms. Yeah. I I feel the same way about Friends. I, ironically, um, or incidentally, my, my girlfriend and I have been watching a ton of Friends lately. Nice. Because, um, like, I get home at quarter after 6, 6.30, and that's kind of right. I think um, TBS shows two episodes at 7 and 7.30. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get home and we'll we'll cook and mm-hmm. and make dinner and then by the time dinner's ready um friends starts up and we'll just sit there and watch that for that hour um and it's just it's really comforting and we both just laugh our asses off and i i just love watching that show i i still i still really love that syndication is still a thing mm-hmm. you can watch a rerun of something for a specific block each day of the week it's it's it is just kind of a you know, we talk a lot of crap about cable and, mm-hmm. and you know, everything being rigid and you have to bow down to your cable provider and it's it's all kind of frustrating. But I don't know. There's something very comf- comfortable and comforting about that that syndication block of something that you love. Right before that, I think, is Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I don't maybe the Big Bang Theory. But we've just been watching a lot of that stuff in syndication just because it's easy to put on and it's, right. it's always fun to watch. Um yeah, it's, you know what else is really easy to put on Tiny? Just clicking Netflix. And just that's watching. true. That's true. <clears throat> I no, wish, that's. I wish I could get Paige more into Netflix. It's interesting though that yeah. it's because from my from my perspective, like I haven't turned on. Well, I mean, I don't have like a full on cable package or anything. Which uh, I need to call them and see if they can get back to my original um, uh, plan. Because I when I when I moved in here a year ago, I got a plan that was just basic basic like local channels plus 10 cable channels plus hbo plus internet for like 45 bucks it was it was Mm -hmm. a freaking dream yeah and then now that my contract is up it went up to like 76 which is still pretty reasonable for internet and hbo um so i don't watch uh broadcast television like ever like i don't remember the last time i turned on my tv to watch the news or anything um because everything's online and i watch everything on hulu amazon Netflix and uh I thought there was one more but I can't remember. Um I test drove Crackle. Um Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's I haven't brought it up on Potpourri for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I do want to check out Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Crackle show. Yeah. Um but anyway, um no, it's interesting that you still kind of uh watch, you know, broadcast syndication stuff and everything like that granted i mean obviously that sounds like it's just background noise stuff that like you're you'll watch when you're eating dinner or something like that or Mm -hmm. or whatever um but it's just it's so it's so second nature to me to just uh to just turn on turn on the playstation and go to the netflix app or if i'm really lazy uh cast it from my phone on my chromecast um and just just watch something that way um that's cool yeah yeah so. I'd probably be that way, but yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have cable right. if I lived alone. Also, yeah. sports. You like the sports. I do like the sports, mm-hmm. um, which leads very well into uh, my next segment, which nice. is uh, <laughs> which is my teen years, uh, kind of junior high all the way through high school. Um, I, I didn't I didn't stay home second college because I actually had to pay for it myself. Uh, so. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's, I hate you. I'm sorry. That was that was really good. 
But one of the that's things... A, that's, for our listeners, that's a callback to previous... I'm not that much of a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, funny joke, Tony. Good job. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, one of the things I would watch is Sports Center. Um, oh, nice. Just because it's on like 17 times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it feels that way. But I don't know. It's just... Um, there's something about Sports Center that's like... It's fun to me because it's not just like sports highlights. You have... You have these people on there who have their own personalities. It's almost like you're following characters in a show. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has that, that kind of feel to it. Um, and there's a lot of segments. There's a lot of speculation. There's punditry and stuff like that. Um, I don't really watch Sports Center anymore, but I remember I, I was much more into sports when I was younger. When I was a teenager, I was, I was right. pretty much a big jock and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, Sports Center just spoke to me. And I even j- just hearing that, da da da. Just hearing the mm-hmm. the music, I was just like, eh, "It's Sports Center time." I just, I don't know. It just spoke to me when I was younger. Nice. Yeah. Um. Hey, Tiny, ask me if I ever watched Sports Center. Did you ever watch Sports Center? No, 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 Tiny. <laughs> I never did. Um. Yeah, I already knew the answer to that. I was so so proud of that. Um. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I do remember seeing like just flipping through the channels like like way back in the day. Um, I remember like being acquainted with with the idea of Sports Center being on every like five minutes. It I know, seemed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I like that idea. Like I know people who do the same thing with like watching the news and watching like cable news and everything like that. Like news junkies or sports junkies and right. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird world. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people claim that the best sports center is the 11 p.m. sports center because it's after everything's over. Like oh, all, yeah. all those games are over, you know, basketball or whatever. Um, so a lot of people think that's the best because you get the most information. But I, I always really appreciated like the 9 a.m. sports center because hmm. um, you kind of get, like I said, there's a lot of punditry and opinions and stuff like that. So you kind of get a better, you kind of get a better breakdown of like the stuff that happened the day before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just, that's just my personal opinion. Seems like it would be more speculative as well, so yeah. kind of a good back and forth there. I assume, right? Right? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. But again, I haven't watched Sports Center in years. Right. I just it's just not really. I, I don't follow sports. I follow a couple teams now. That's kind of how I am. Gotcha. So, yeah. I don't follow sports at all, but that doesn't stop people from t- talking to me about them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had a conversation today with someone at work that was like, "Hey, did you see the game last night?" I was like. And I actually said, like, no, I don't follow sports. I'm, yeah, I'm just not into sports. Yeah. And then they went on to say, like, yeah, it was just, you know, they, they unseated number one at the, for the, for the final four. I'm like, I have a podcast about movies and TV shows <laughs> called The Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> I have a baggie at home with 400 <laughs> pieces of paper on it that someone picks from and I watch what they pick. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sitting here reading book three of Stephen King's The Dark Tower for the yeah. second time in my life <laughs> after starting it, after starting the series over again like a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but anyway, yeah, so what's what's your next uh, teen? Um, the Another big one, you know, I talked about comfort and one way I found comfort was in watching like really cheesy talk shows during the day. Mm-hmm. Um most notably, like Jerry Springer and Mari Povich, um, to a lesser extent back in the day, Ricky Lake. Right. Uh, which I have no idea what happened to her. Mm. Uh, I don't really care. But um, She was in Serial Mom. Serial Mom. I don't yeah, know what that is. The John Waters movie with... Um, crap, what is her name? Um, she played Chandler's uh, father in 
um, and Friends. Oh, uh, yeah, mm. with the deep voice. Yeah. Oh, that's going to bug me. I can't think of her name. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I'll look it up. Again. Yeah. But anyways, I you know, the, the the way I found comfort in those is those are super trashy, and like anymore, I find those pretty repulsive, but mm-hmm. it kind of made you feel better about yourself, right. <laughs> seeing these awful people <laughs> uh, being exposed for their awfulness, and basically people poking fun at it, and, right. and them embarrassing themselves, it kind of made you feel better about yourself. Um, so I, I guess that's where I kind of found comfort in it. Um, it's kind of a weird thing because I, like I said, I'm repulsed by all that stuff now. Right. Um, but yeah, it serves a purpose. Nice. Um, I don't remember what I, like what shows I watched then like that. Um, what trashy talk shows I watched, uh, like, like Jerry Springer, I didn't like at all. Um, but I do remember those those kind of th- like Mori Povich. I I think he's still doing his Mori Povich yeah. thing. Yeah. And like watching, like seeing it today, I'm like, I wonder how like how he can like how he survives like doing that or how he can you know put up with it on a day to day basis. Like he's got to be getting tired of that. Really. <clears throat> um. Yeah, do you have any more on that or should I? Um, I also, well, I, I kind of, like I said, I kind of more, I got into Wings more when I was like a teenager. More like, I mean, probably when I was in like seventh grade, mm-hmm. sixth, seventh grade is when I really started to get into it. And yeah, just uh, everything you said, really. Yes. I mean, it's the, the characters are what make sitcoms unique. Um, I think people kind of knock sitcoms sometimes because they're kind of repetitive and mm. uh derivative formulaic and stuff like that and that's true but what sets what separates them are the characters you know you have, right. to, you have to have unique characters and um the brothers hackett were certainly yes. that um antonio scarpacci the taxi driver <laughs> uh a, again a very unique character you know right. um i don't think i don't think too many of the characters in that show were necessarily archetypical i think they were pretty relatively unique to the show they were they they were like if they were archetypical i mean it would be like lil mather is the kind of uh the doofus character but yeah like you said he was grounded in the show like he, right. he was the mechanic he was the lovable mechanic um mm-hmm. yeah even uh uh faye faye cochran the the ticket handler yeah. um <laughs> faye evelyn dumbly uh devay schlop cochran I think that there was one more in there somewhere. She was kind of like the wild card almost. Because she would come out of nowhere and just say the craziest stuff. Not really. Sometimes she would, though. Sometimes she would. The The wild card card would definitely have been low. You think? Yeah. And then Brian was kind of, kind of a, kind of a, um, a foil, basically. Like, that was the dynamic that I loved most about it was that Brian was the foil for Joe, who was the uptight guy. Yeah. Um, and they played a lot with that dynamic, but no, uh, Faye was more, Faye was more controlled than, than I think you're giving her credit for. Okay. Yeah. I just, I remember one of my favorite lines is where someone mentions a shotgun and she's like, what are you talking about? 12 gauge pump, pump action, <laughs> double barrel. What are you talking Like, she like knows everything about shotguns. Like that, like just little lines like yeah. that. She oh, would have yeah. stuff like that occasionally. And she I has like, a nice, like, uh, her, she has a traveled a traveled past basically yeah yeah um she yeah. has the ability to surprise you yeah there you go yeah she i, yeah. I don't know i that's what i appreciated about her character nice. yeah um did you buy the dvds every day they came out i do have not i think i have like the first four seasons on dvd really i tried to like 
be good about collecting them, but mm-hmm. I just never. I have a lot of incomplete TV series on yeah. DVD. And that's that can be a whole other topic too. Yeah. Um, it sucks because now you can get like you can get like the whole season of the whole series of Wings for like twenty five bucks. Really? I think so, and it's good all Lord. like packaged together. Really, like, I mean, DVD like TV on DVD is kind of a a a bug. A, a, uh, um, it's waning. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not gone, but it's kind of waning, and it's yeah, right. Like I don't even think, and this is a tangent, but um, like Netflix didn't even release like a DVD Blu-ray um set for Daredevil season one. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, they did for like House of Cards and all that, but um, but yeah, it's just it's an interesting time for TV on DVD. We'll we'll have to revisit that at, uh, on a later episode at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. So yeah, those were my big ones for my teen years, and like I said, I didn't, I, you know, that's, when I stayed, I was homesick a month ago, five weeks ago maybe, mm-hmm. um, and I don't remember what I watched. Really? Um, I napped a lot. Gosh, I don't remember, I I just think I just kind of watched, uh, I watched something on Netflix, like I was watching Daredevil maybe, or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't remember what I was watching. It, it was nothing noteworthy, I guess, so I, right. I'm, I'm an adult now. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of being a an adult, uh, friend of the show and uh, contributor on obsessivebooknerd.com, Alex. She uh, she was sick. She, she's my coworker, and she was sick yesterday. And like I told her about the topic today, and she said that she watched when she was homesick yesterday. She watched uh, Archer season six. Nice and uh, Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, um, I don't even know what that is. I think it has Daniel Radcliffe in it. Um, oh yeah, that's the new, the new one with uh, what's his face, Daniel Radcliffe and, uh, and uh, um, I want to say James McAvoy. Is it James McAvoy? Yeah, plays. The yeah, doctor. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she loved it, but um, hmm. to each their own. Yeah. Um, no. Um, and then also, uh, she said that she watched. Uh, crap, I can't remember what it, what she said. Black Mass. So kind of an interesting wow. choice there. Yeah. But for me, uh, Tiny, do you mind if I kind of round out the topic? Basically? Please do. Okay, so um, kind of, kind of my teen years. Basically, I, I have a couple examples that I can expand on further um, as I as I you know go into the discussion of them. But um, the first one kind of harkens back to your um, daytime talk show, trashy talk show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Somewhat. This is a horrible transition, but um, the Game Show Network. <laughs> Nice. A terrible transition, but um, I remember specifically, like as a kid, being like, like wanting to, like, like thinking, like, you know what? I'm the next time I'm home sick from school, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch just Game Show Network. As like, I'm just gonna just leave the TV on and watch it as long as possible. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I ever really did that, but it was, it was really. I don't even know. I'm, I'm sure the channel exists now. I don't know what they show now, but I remember they showed like old, old episodes of like, um. Uh, Family Feud and uh, the Newlywed Game and stuff like that, and I remember just picking up pieces here and there when, like, when I would just flip through the channels and be homesick. But I, I really liked seeing that kind of thing because it, it's it's a fun thing to watch. It, it's not, it, I mean, it's competitive, so it's got that kind of edge to it, but it's not that competitive. Like, you're not emotionally invested in any of the any of the people competing or anything, mm-hmm. but you're seeing them have fun or you're seeing them get. Um, get uh get flustered and and stuff like that like so you have a certain you have the option of being invested in what what's going on in in the competition but it's something that's just entertaining really um on a surface level and yeah it's just i don't know it's just something that was just a lot of uh something that i really liked doing 
anyway, so yeah, so the game show network, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on on some of the examples, um, other than the Newlywed Game and, and Family Feud, but mm-hmm. I just remember really, really enjoying it. And I think part of it is, um, part of it was, um, some weird. It, it's not necessarily nostalgia because it's like I'm being nostalgic for a time that I wasn't alive for. Yeah. Um, the same is like, like I would. I would like to like I would turn on TV Land or whatever and watch old old TV shows. I don't nothing really comes to mind, but like like Happy Days or or uh, the Brady Bunch. I don't even mm-hmm. have like memories of really watching them that much. But um, like that's another thing that I would like to, that I, that I would do and find comforting because it's something new, but it's something also it's not really pertinent pertinent into uh, current pop culture. Basically pertinent to current pop culture. So it's something that you can have a level of involvement in it that's not like non-committal non-committal there yeah. you go perfect and so the other thing that i want to bring up uh that's kind of teen years slash like current day basically um and this is something that it's 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 a unique thing for this topic it's uh blu-ray and dvd sets um okay particularly like like the my go-to example is the back to the future blu-rays um because those movies are timeless to me. I love them. Um, I love all three of them. Um, I don't, uh, discriminate against e- any of them. Mm-hmm. Third one's a little weak, but it's still, I can still, these are movies that I can sit down, watch at any point and just get the maximum amount of enjoyment out of it every time. Yeah. Um, no matter what. And, uh, to kind of use that as a, as a, as a springboard into this example, is, uh, the Blu-ray set is amazing. Like it has a lot of good special features, commentary, stuff like that. Like I remember even when I had the I think it was twenty five twenty fifth year uh or twentieth or twenty five uh anniversary DVD set. I remember staying home from school and watching watching the DVD and listening to the commentary with Bob Gale about the making of Back to the Future and about what all went into it and about uh, like all that. Like that was one of my one of my go to commentary tracks that I or one of my first experiences with commentary tracks really. And as I kind of created a a, a a large DVD and Blu-ray collection. It's something that kind of comes back to me anytime I watch, uh, or anytime I'm feeling under the weather is an option of, of watching like a commentary track, which is a shame because nowadays it's kind of seems like, um, special features and commentary tracks. Like, like I, I'm to the point where I can rent a movie on Google play for a few bucks. Um, get my enjoyment out of it and then be done with it. And then like the deciding factor on whether or not I own a copy of it on Blu-ray or DVD is if the special features are there for me. Like if they have a commentary track, I'll be like, okay, I'm considering buying this. That's going to push me over the edge and I'm going to buy it because of the commentary track. Cause it's something you get more out of, um, and everything. And I just, it's something I don't really do that much is watch, watch special features and stuff like that. But if I'm feeling under the weather, I'd be more prone to watch a making of documentary or a uh, commentary track for a movie that I'm familiar with. If I'm, I guess there are different levels of sickness, basically <laughs> like that. That's could That could have been how we, how we framed this entire episode really. But, um, yeah. So we'll, t- we'll start over again. Um, oh God. welcome to the obsessive. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, that's how we could have, we could have done tears. But if, if we were doing that, then the kind of more, conscious and uh or uh um the more uh coherent 
uh, illness or like the one where we, where you have control of yourself and, and your mind and you're not completely like, like clonked out. Um, that's something you can consume special features and commentary yeah. tracks and stuff like that. It's, right. it's a unique way because it's, you know, sometimes you get kind of tired of watching the same thing over and over again or whatever and you can see it in a new light at a time where you're, you know, kind of compromised but if you're not compromised uh, too much, like you can still get some new enjoyment out of old favorites. Word. Whew. Yeah. So yeah, so that is our sick day viewings. Um, do you have anything else you want to throw in? I don't think so. Did you stay home from school a lot as a kid and I a teenager did. and stuff? You did. I did. I kind of played hooky a lot too. Really? I don't know. It was yeah. It was kind of kind of weird. Do you remember that from me in high school? I do. Yeah? I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I was home sick all the time. Yeah. And about probably sixty percent of the time, well, seventy percent of the time, I was actually sick. But I would play. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> no, but I, I was. I don't know why. I, if I could go back, I wouldn't do that yeah, that much but right. uh but yeah i you know i really wasn't um i would but when i was a kid i was in second grade there was like this really nasty strain of the flu that mm-hmm. went through my school uh something like 80 kids got or maybe 60 kids Jeez. out of like 250 got it which is a lot wow. um it's i remember what it was called it's it's called shigella it's it's a strain of the flu and it like wow. like one of the kids almost died like it's really bad it, it just runs your fever up really quickly Jeez. Um, so I had to be out of school for like two weeks. Because huh. you're, like, you watch? You're really contagious, and so like they, you like you have to stay out of school because they don't want you to give it to the other kids. Um, it was crazy, yeah. But uh, uh, I remember watching a ton of Nickelodeon when that happened. <laughs> really? At the time, we still had the Disney Channel, and mm. I watched like Disney stuff. I don't even remember what was on the Disney Channel. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that. Other than that, I mean, maybe once a year twice a year at mm-hmm. most i would i would stay home from school sick but once i got into high school i think i stayed home sick from high school like once wow yeah yeah i just i don't know i just i liked the idea of staying home from school <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> not me being too. at school um my grades reflected that a little bit but um well back to the jock thing if you didn't <clears throat> if you didn't go to school you couldn't go to practice oh yeah and that's that's you, true you'd catch crap for that one so yeah that was a big part of it uh yeah so anyway, um, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, uh, I also want to point out that when I was sick a few weeks ago, the kind of impetus for this entire episode or the inspiration for this entire episode, um, I do want to mention just anecdotally, um, <clears throat> I was so like I woke up and immediately knew like okay something's not right. I feel just like it wasn't like it wasn't like a a uh, something that would dehydrate me or anything. Like it wasn't like fluids or anything. It was just I just had a splitting headache. My, I was like alternating between, um, cold flashes and, and hot flashes and just, I just didn't feel well at all. Like crippling headache and just, it just, it was just, just awful, awful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I had to work all day. <laughs> oh man. Um, and then by the time I got home, like it was, it was to the point where I was like, I'm like, I kind of was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can, I can. I can drive home. I'll be fine. <laughs> but like, I was convinced. Like, I'm. I didn't take my temperature or anything, but I know that I had a fever. Yeah. Um. But I, because I, I could feel, like, I could feel the heat coming off of my face. Oh man. And it wasn't like a full headache. It was just like my face ached. Wow. And my, and like the hot flashes were like face hot flashes. But anyway, the the anecdote is that, um, when I came home, I was so so feeling ill i was so sick and so exhausted like i was just so ready to just crash and just fall asleep um 
like it was just a weird like i like the only word i would use to describe it is my mind was a little bit delirious hmm. like legitimately like i i made weird like mental connections that i never would have made like it was kind of like a walking a, a waking dreamscape kind of thing like oh just go ahead and plug the toaster in and and uh, then i can go to bed on the on the air mattress and wow like in i mean like i had no reason to plug in the toaster i don't have an air mattress it's just <laughs> weird stuff like that but it's funny because because like as i'm going to bed and as i'm like like i'm in that state I still had the presence of mind to get my laptop, put it on my um, bedside table, open it up, go to Hulu, disable ad blocker so that the ads would play. Um, <clears throat> I think that that's, I think that that's how it worked. Um, wow. And then play wings and then just fall asleep and then sleep forever. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And it was just, it was just an interesting thing that that's where my mind went when it was going away from me, basically. <laughs> um, Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was so, so tired. I and, bet. Oh, I slept so. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And shout out to my brother. He helped me out. He, like, he helped me, he helped the, uh, he played the role of my mom. Nice. Um, <clears throat> he brought me, uh, drinks and, uh, uh, Mucinex and stuff like that. That's nice. So, yeah, shout out to Ray. Um, so anyway, uh, should we go to potpourri? Let's do some potpourri. All right. So, Potpourri, um, for first-time listeners, this is the section of the podcast where we basically wind down the episode after we have the main topic, and we wind it down by talking about stuff that we've watched lately or um, wanting to watch lately, st- stuff like that. Anything. In the tagline of the uh, segment is, anything we want, as long as it smells good, that's why we call it Potpourri. Um, and I want to mention two things at the top, at the top of this. Um, one is that I'm hoping that next week we will have a, another call-in uh, from Mike. Um, hopefully his, his, um, on the phone review of hard, uh, hardcore Henry, which he's seen this week. So hopefully that'll, uh, happen next week. And I think I'm also going to have like a little like theme music and I actually have like an intro, like an actual like title for the segment. It'll, it'll be fun. Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and the second thing is that last week, guys, I kind of made a promise. <laughs> Yeah, how was it? Yeah, well, um, I made a promise last week on the podcast that I would finally, finally watch, um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And you loved um, it? Well, uh, hang on. Huh. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, no, but I made the promise that I would finally watch it because, uh, about a month or two ago, uh, it was picked out of the bag for, from Tiny, by Tiny, and chosen at random from one of my, uh, from my Hulu queue, I think, um, and so I was supposed to watch it, but then, you know, stuff happened in my life and then, and then I just haven't gotten around to see it. So I made the pledge that I would watch it for this week. And I was so going to, um, but I had to run some errands after work and the movie's like three hours. I didn't but, really realize it, but I, I know, I know but why, but as a consolation, <laughs> um, after the Oscars, we recorded an episode that was about, uh, post Oscars and, uh, and Deadpool. And in that episode, I had a potpourri segment about Stagecoach from 1939, which was the other movie that Tiny had picked out of the bag. Unfortunately, that uh, that recording had a lot of static. So what I'm going to do for you guys, as a consolation, um, as a constellation, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, as a con- consolation to you guys, I'm going to cut that slight review of uh, Stagecoach and put it at the end of this episode. So the audio quality is going to be a little a little messy 
Um, let me know if you if you can bear listening to it, because then otherwise I'll just if you can, uh, I might actually go back and edit that episode and then release it. Um, otherwise, because I just I I was so upset about it being all staticky and weird that I didn't uh, I didn't feel right to release it. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll go back and do it if you guys like the review of Stagecoach. Having said all of that, I'm gonna start off. Potpourri. Is that okay, Tiny? Absolutely. All right. Um, I only have one thing uh, for Potpourri, and what it is is uh, Battlestar Galactica Season 1. Nice! Yes! Uh, Frackin' A. Frackin' A. Uh, so Battlestar Galactica is currently all on Hulu right now, and it is a show that I I think Tiny and I both watched it together, um, mm-hmm. and I only got as far as maybe like halfway through season two before I didn't, uh, I I guess I abandoned it, not for any real reason, but it was just something that it just, I wouldn't even go so far as saying it wasn't connecting with me. It was just, it was just something that I wasn't putting my full attention on really. And Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, finally now I'm finally prepared to revisit it and uh, really give it the attention it deserves. And I really enjoyed this first season. Cause I'm like, I'm picking up on this cause I've seen the whole season beforehand um, or previous to this. And this time around I'm watching it and I'm picking up on a lot more of, uh, of the, the nuances and the, in the mythology, particularly like kind of the religious uh, mythology that goes into the, the world of um, or the universe building of, uh, of uh, Battlestar Galactica and all that, like the 12, the 12 colonies and the, the, their search for earth, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really enjoying the political interplay between um uh the kind of different factions like like the political faction and like the uh the pol- the political side of things um uh with with the president and also with the uh, the military side of things with with uh Adama uh played by Edward James almost. So I'm I'm really I'm really digging it this time around. I'm I'm really digging it. I'm a couple nice. episodes into season two, and uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to really diving more into it, and uh, finally getting properly watching it. Really nice. Uh, I love that series. I watched the whole thing. Um, I was gonna get the back to our t- discussions of box DVDs and stuff. I was gonna get the whole DVD set. It was only like a hundred mm-hmm. bucks at one point, right? Um, but I heard that it's actually it's packaged really poorly. And oh, I heard yeah. that the discs just scratch, like you can't move the box ever because the discs Ugh. scratch or something. And I, I think the Blu-ray was just as bad, so I never got it. But uh, I'd love to revisit it at some point. Um, I'd love the characters and just the the sociology of it and the the culture, the, the unique culture you get in a a space armada setting. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like your str- it has this isolation to it, and it's kind of like. It has this survival aspect to it that's all just creates these really interesting characters and, and, and the, the, the uh, conflict and, and dynamism they have to deal with throughout that series. Just all is so, so intriguing. Um, I feel like you learn something when you watch it. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the series. Um, and I, 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 I'd love to look into it again at some point. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm definitely, this is something that I'm, I feel like I'm definitely going to, really attach myself to it and, and hopefully revisit it. Like, like it'll be kind of on a rotation of stuff that I rewatch. Cause it, I mean, it's only like four seasons. Um, I think it's like 80 episodes. Um, if that, mm-hmm. um, and I want to point out the first season, man. It, okay. It starts with a, uh, two part mini series 
that was filmed as kind of a, I think it was filmed, I, I haven't researched it properly, but, um, it was filmed and, and presented as like kind of a pilot episode for it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the actual first episode of the, uh, series itself is called 33, which, uh, do you, I, I wouldn't expect you to remember like the specifics of it, but, um, man, that episode is such a phenomenal introduction to, to the series, basically. Like the, like the miniseries is, is a good, a good setup for the different dynamics presented throughout it, particularly, uh, uh, the character of Gaius Baltar. Um, <clears throat> and, and all the kind of different, different, um, uh, uh, um, just relationships going on throughout, uh, throughout the series that have long reaching, uh, arcs. And also it kind of gives good background to, uh, what Battlestar Galactica is in, in the formation of the, basically the entire fleet, um, the last remnants of humanity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but 33, this episode is, it opens the series, basically. It's the first, like, episode of the series. And the entire episode is about how, how they're handling, like, the Cylons. The, the, so the background for the show is that the Cylons are a race of machines that man created and then they became sentient and then they overtook, um, or they, they kind of took over or, or revolted. There was a war. There was a peace treaty sign, and then after years of no, after years of not seeing the silence, the silence came back and basically attacked all of humanity. Uh, to which now that now there is a flotilla of ships that are the last remnants of humanity fleeing the fleeing their fleeing their planet in search of the fabled Earth. So that's the setup of Battlestar Galactica in thirty three. What it so geniusly does right off the bat is it establishes the Cylon threat is not something to be messed with or not something to be fracked with because <laughs> um, the episode is about how the Cylons um, keep um, uh, uh, appearing in the, in their vicinity um, every 33 minutes. Yeah. That's a great episode. Yes. So, so, um, so the ships have to set after every 33 minutes, they have to set their coordinates to, to, uh, make an FTL jump. Uh, that's faster than light travel is. Um, <laughs> and make an FTL jump to another part of space. Basically, it's just a game of, of, like, the Cylons are chasing, chasing humans, chasing the humans. And it's just the fatigue that, 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 um, brings out on the, on the characters. Um, and the kind of, uh, it's just such a great introduction. You can tell, like, they talk about how they, they've done this, um, like they have, they have, um, uh, uh, um, Viper pilots, like, like they have the, the equivalent of fighter pilots out that go out on patrol at a certain point, uh, to kind of hold them back or, or to kind of monitor the place. And then they come back and just the fatigue of it. Like they count, they said, like, we've done this, um, I don't remember how much they, how many times they said, but I mean, it's been like, it's been like days of them doing this every 33 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. It's such a great, great scenario to play out in a sci-fi show. And I love that they did that like right off the bat. Yeah. Um, The psychological toll that it takes mm -hmm. is really, it's depicted very well. And it's talk about, you know, character building and really setting the scene. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. It's a great episode. Yep. Um, so that's what I've been watching. Also, I want to point out that, uh, Katie Sackhoff, who's an actress I, I was kind of just a little lukewarm on, um, in the past. Um, man, she's fantastic. Nice. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just really connecting more with the character of Starbuck because, 
um, I don't know. I just appreciate the character as she's written because she's like, she's such a strong female character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Starbuck is like, she's, she can hold her own and she has such a, such a, uh, personality to her that it's, it's, it's really great to see such a strong character in the show. And it's in somewhat the focal point. I mean, it's more of an ensemble series, but, um, yeah. anytime she's on screen, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does and, and what she says because she's such a she's such a badass, really. Yeah, it's such a cool dynamic between her, her and Apollo mm-hmm. because they're kind of the same character. They're just a different gender, right? They're kind of the both, you know, the, the kind of the gunslinger swagger kind of pilot mm-hmm. people who are just untouchable badasses. Yeah. But one of them just happens to be female, and that again, that dynamic is just cool to see it play out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love that show. So, yeah, so that's Battlestar Galactica. Like I said, I'm about, oh, no, I'm like three episodes into season two. Nice. Um, so I'll, I'll have, I'll report back more, um, as I progress through the series. Um, and also, I'm such a completionist. I'm such a freak when it comes to this stuff that, like, I looked up, like, all the supplementary stuff. So, like, like, there's, like, uh, uh, there's a couple, like, like TV movies that were made and, uh, yes, there are web shorts, web series, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I've looked up the correct order to watch all this stuff. Yeah. In. So I have like notes taken of, of when to watch all this stuff. So that's just a peek, a peek inside my insanity. <laughs> um, so yeah. So tiny, what do you have for potpourri uh, for this Matt, week? Matt, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt. Tiny. I watched a movie. Oh, good. Not a documentary. So, was it a documentary about movies? Oh, okay. It was not. It was not a documentary about movies. <laughs> nice. It was not a movie about making documentaries. Okay. It was just a movie. Nice. Yeah. A narrative feature film. A narrative movie. That a is awesome. thing that happened. Nice. Um, I wa- <laughs> And it's a classic, too. I watched uh, nice. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You know, that would have paired very nicely with uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It would have. So sorry, guys. Stay Apologize. tuned for my review of Stagecoach. <laughs> but go ahead, Tiny. What did you think of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? This is a movie I haven't seen. Never seen it? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It's I had never seen it either. And it's, it's you know, it's iconic. It's a classic mm-hmm. movie that, you know, a lot of people talk about. And it's it's held in the upper echelons of, I think, classic movies. Um, and having seen it, it's for a good reason. Um, mm-hmm. I... I I think the the laurels of the film hinge so much on the chemistry and camaraderie between Paul Newman and Robert Redford, uh, mm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, respect respectfully. Um, and I, I I mean honestly, there there's no better example of a a movie duo like like a duo of characters together who rely on each other and they strike this balance between one another that they're just, they're just the perfect duo. They can find their way out of any situation. Um, and, and it has this, it has this really strong underdog quality to it because Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid are, they're thieves. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're, they, they rob trains and they rob banks and, uh, steal money. I mean, they're, in that sense, they're they're bad guys. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those scenarios where you root for the underdog because these guys are so they're not evil. They're just they just do bad things to make their way through life. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they're they're just really charming and and charismatic. Um, and I, I had never really I'd seen Paul Newman in a few things. Um, I think Cool Hand Luke is 
God, that's such a cool movie, and I'm a big fan of him in that. Um, I, I've seen Paul Newman in a handful of things before, so I was kind of familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I I can't name too many things I've seen Robert Redford in. Really? Um, like hmm. Spy Game or Spy Games, right. maybe. Um, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, and maybe one or two other things. I'm just, oh, I'm, all the presidents, man. All the presidents, man. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not super familiar with him as an actor. And every time I've seen him, I've been like, yeah, he's he's, he's fine. He's a good looking guy. Yeah, but mm. man, he the, there's a, his opening scene in this movie. He has ju- he's just a cold mm-hmm. steel man. He's playing. He uh, his first scene is where he's playing a game of poker. Mm-hmm. Um, and just his his physical presence during that scene was really impressive. I was like, man, I can't wait to see what he does in the rest of this movie. Just cause it's just, it's a classic Western scenario, classic, classic Western poker game. Um, and just the way it plays out, I'm like, I just, I want to see what else this guy does in, in this movie. He just had, he just commands presence when he's on the screen in this movie. I really, really appreciate what he did with the character. And I, I understand now why generations have, sung the praises of of uh robert redford i i nice. really love this is his this is his uh his crowning achievement as an actor i think is nice. is the sundance is him as the sundance kid um so i love that part of it um that like i said i think the entire movie really hinges on their chemistry and, and how how well they work together but it's also a really cool story it's about you know it's about these thieves who kind of go a little too deep and they end up being chased, uh, chased by this just ceaseless group of men, um, who are, uh, they're trying to bring them in basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just, they, they basically have to flee across the desert. Um, like the man in black. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, I think they kind of realize that they've gotten in a little too deep and then they end up, they end up getting away, but they end up going to uh, South America. Okay. Um, and kind of starting over, but, um, it's just, it's just this really cool, really cool dynamic. Like I'd say, I'd say a good quarter of the movie is just them being, just them being pursued across the desert. And it's the, the, the landscapes and the, the cool dialogue and the, the dire situations are, uh, it's, it's just a very, a very enthralling story. Um, and then nice. just on top of everything else, it's actually pretty damn funny. Really? Um, just the situations they get them in, they get, they, they get themselves into. Um, mm-hmm. Sundance Kid is very calm and collected and he doesn't say a lot. But then on the other hand, Butch Cassidy, like I said, there's all this, there's this balance between them. Butch Cassidy's a talker and he's very charismatic and charming and, you know, he could, he could sell a popsicle to an Eskimo. You know, he's just <laughs> a very, just a, a really charismatic guy and he, he knows how to, be a leader and and uh it's it's just it's just great to see the balance between them and and that leads to some really funny situations um there's some there's some good lines in the movie i I really wasn't expecting that but it had um it even had like some sarcasm in it which is not not very indicative of the the 1960s when this movie came out you know there wasn't a lot of sarcasm in movies and um just, just kind of, it, it's, in some ways, it's, it's almost like a buddy comedy. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just a really great movie. Um, it has a cool ending, a, a pretty unique ending that I, I actually liked. Um, it's a classic for a reason. It, it, it really should be a classic. And, uh, I recommend it to everyone. It's on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. We should really, 
I don't know how feasible this would be, but man, I'm just looking at Robert Redford's filmography and mm-hmm. I mean, we should do something. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way we were, the sting, the great Gatsby 74, three days of the condor, all the president's men bridge too far. Uh, the natural, which I've heard really great things about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just man. Um, he also, and it's also worth mentioning that obviously he, um, <clears throat> Uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is the uh, the name um, the the name uh, he, he in 1980 started the uh, Sundance Institute for right. aspiring filmmakers, which became the has the Sundance Film Festival. So that's a nice that's cool. That's a nice anecdote. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we should we should do something like a Robert Redford. A Rob- Robert Retrospective. I was just about to say that. I thought of yes. that like two minutes ago. Oh, damn it. <laughs> a Robert Retrospective. Uh, Red, Redford Respective. Robert Redfordspective. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, that's going to be that's gonna be a long one, but we yeah. We almost have to now. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. So next week, we'll do <laughs> the first decade of his film. No, oh, no, my God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are we doing next week? I don't know if we know. I'm not sure what we're doing yet. I don't know either. Um, we've got some ideas. We're going to bounce around. Um, ho- like I said, hopefully we'll have Mike call in with his thoughts on Hardcore Henry. Um, while you wait for next week's episode, I'm going to have a bonus episode with me talking to Brian Davids from the Film Schlubs podcast um, uh, about 112263, the uh, the Hulu event series based on uh, one of my favorite Stephen King novels, actually. Nice. Um, Stephen King, time travel, can't really go wrong. That's two things that I love. Yes. Um, that's like saying... Uh, <sighs> Bacon wrap shrimp. Bacon wrap shrimp. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I wasn't offering. <laughs> nice. Oh, Parks and Rec would be another good sick day viewings. Yeah. Thing, would. So anyway, so uh watch out for those two bonus episodes coming out and whatever we're gonna talk about next week. Um yeah, and uh thanks for listening and we're gonna have my review of Stagecoach after the music that could possibly be playing right now. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, thanks guys. Thanks guys. Well, okay, I'll go ahead and do this one because I we picked it out of uh, out of the bag, which basically Tiny occasionally picks um, from a bag of numbers for streaming services, and uh, it assigns me something to watch. and And a few weeks ago, or about a month ago, uh, Tiny picked out of the bag, and he picked um, I think it was Hulu, and he ended up picking uh, Stagecoach, which is the nineteen thirty nine um movie uh western uh why can't i think of that director uh, john ford's uh 1939 western uh mm-hmm. here's the plot description basically uh john ford's landmark western revolves around an assorted group of colorful passengers aboard the overland stagecoach bound for lordsburg new mexico in the 1800s or 1880s an alcoholic philosophizer a lady of ill repute and a timid liquor salesman are among the motley crew of travelers who must contend with an escaped outlaw, the Ringo Kid, played by John Wayne, and the ever-present threat of an Apache attack as they make their way west or make their way across the Wild West. Uh, Tiny, have you seen this movie at all or anything? I have not. I okay. don't know anything about it. Okay. Uh, Stagecoach actually holds up spectacularly well. Nice. Uh, for a 1939 Western, I kind of thought that I would feel find it a little dated and a little uh, laborious to get through, basically. 
Um, but no, it's, you know, it's celebrated as, um, it's celebrated as what made Westerns kind of break out into, um, a respectable genre or, or an A-list level of, of genre basically. Wow. And, uh, and you can definitely tell like, like why it's, it's very well warranted. Um, mm-hmm. and John Wayne is fantastic. It was the first John Wayne movie I've ever, I've ever seen. Wow. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and he was fantastic. It, it was what made him a star, basically. Yeah. Um, and I thought that the movie was, was really, really quite well done. There's some really cool, um, kind of set pieces, like kind of toward the end, there's this kind of big battle across, a um, the desert, uh, it's like gunfights and, and it's on stage coaches and it's actually really remarkable that they could, um, pull it off, um, yeah. and, and be able to film it in that, in that, uh, time period, basically. Hmm. Um, so it was really, it was really good. Um, yeah, I, I, again, it's been a month. I don't really remember it. I was prepared to talk about it a few weeks ago, but forgive me, but, um, yeah, Stagecoach, it was, it was really good. Sweet. Yeah, I recommend it. It is on Hulu. It's part of, I think it's part of the Criterion deal where, it's a mem- it's a part of the Criterion collection, which I will also mention on Hulu. Um, there's additional like um, uh, bonus features, basically, or like little featurettes that that you can watch clips. Basically, um, there's one where uh, Peter, I think it's Peter Bogdanovich, uh, talks about the legacy of Stagecoach um, for about four minutes. It's it's a really nice uh, did, uh, kind of vignette about. Um, the movie as a whole from, from someone who has experience in film, obviously. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, you know, stagecoach on Hulu. It's, it's well done. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Uh, so Tanya, what do you, what do you got? Well, uh, I think. Thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.